Hello and welcome to NCNA's Nursing Round, where we do the rounds on hot topics and other nurses' journeys. Today, we have Dr. Elizabeth Snow, DNPRN, a former NCNA board member and a current nursing instructor at Randolph Community College in Ashboro. She's joining us today to talk about her experience teaching nursing during a pandemic. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Chris, thank you so much. I know we, you know, this invitation was really special to me and to see you again, but it was just challenging for us to be able to get together. <laughs> I know it's the way the, the pandemic has gone. Nobody can really schedule things quite as easily as you might hope. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with my teaching schedule. Mm-hmm. So talk to me real quick about some of the challenges of teaching in the current setup and, and teaching from home versus in the classroom. Well, I think last spring when we had the extended spring break and we basically were told you're going to have to do everything virtually. All right. So many of our programs were already hybrid. And but the challenge was, how do we get some of this hands on stuff done in this virtual world? And it really was difficult because many of us were having to learn new software and new strategies, and we might be up till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then we had to perform and act like we knew what we were doing at eight o'clock. <laughs> so it, it, was really, it was really hard at first, but once we mastered some of the software and the techniques, and help support students in this learning. Then it, the learning curve evened out and then we found ourselves excelling and being able to deliver the information, the concepts that we wanted nursing students to, to glean. So how do you, you know, nursing obviously is in general, pretty everybody knows it's a fairly hands-on profession. How do you get some of that learning to folks who are sitting in their dorm room or their apartment? Well, we were fortunate, and I think all the schools were fortunate, to have had contacts with vendors that allowed for virtual simulation. And so that was part of the uptake and learning for us as educators who were used to doing simulation in like sim hospitals or in the laboratory setting. And so we had a new software to learn, and then we had to orient our students to this. It's not the same as your psycho, psychomotor skills where you're actually getting your hands on something, but it does help with getting an order and a cognitive thinking, you know, your critical thinking from the concepts you've learned and how to make clinical decisions. So it did help support that. The other good thing is, as we saw in the summer, um, the reduced numbers of cases and schools were putting in infection control procedures with mass requirements on campus and all, then we were able to actually get into our laboratories and simulation areas for periods of time. Not every day, but limited approved periods of time. So we maximized the experience for our nursing students during that. And I think that helped bring it together for them along with the concepts. So you had been a hybrid program before any of this happened where you were doing some online and some in person. 
how big of an advantage was that for you when all of a sudden everything changed and you had to go to something totally unprecedented? I think that really helped those programs who were in hybrid like we were to just simply take the next step. So we didn't have to start from the beginning. And all the hybrid programs felt like there was a little advantage there. There was work that was already being done. The uh, conceptual objectives, homework assignments were already there online. Uh, We could even do group discussions online. So that helped. The big challenge, again, was being able to convert clinical time as students um, so that they could go and get that hands-on in the virtual world. And thank goodness there was several vendors out there that was available that had good products, that had tested products that we were able to access. One of the things I know that you work on a lot is group projects. And I'd imagine that trying to get groups of students to work together on something in this Zoom era or Teams or whatever <laughs> whatever platform it is that you're using, uh, it's gotta be like herding cats. Uh, how did you come up with group projects that were effective? Some of our group projects, they were told about right up front. For instance, we had them do a group project on culture and diversity and I assigned specific groups for, the, for groups to do. And I joined the groups together so that that made a little bit easier on the student. And we talked through it several times during our Zoom meetings, during our virtual classroom. And then they were able to access um, the, the Microsoft Teams, which I think most schools have that. And they were able to communicate together Some of them, let's just face it, it was easier for them to get together FaceTime on their iPhones. Uh, It was easier to get together through Facebook, you know, because you can do that. So whatever they did. And a very detailed rubric was given to them. So they knew what the grade was coming from. And constant feedback. And they could contact me via email. Then we'd set up a meeting. So that, okay, this is the follow, this is, this is how I want you to follow this. And they would give me draft information, PowerPoints, their paper. So that allowed them to have some sense of support under this virtual world. So really supporting them, letting them understand the purpose of the project. And then they just, let me tell you, Chris, I was blown away with the quality of the projects that I got. And everybody got to grade each other. Other faculty was invited to participate, which was easier in the virtual world. I think their support, that affective domain that we say in knowledge, um, that they feel like we do want them to succeed. We do want them to learn and we want them to feel positive about what they're learning because these are the future nurses. And, And let me clarify, I also work with the freshman class. Okay, so these students basically just had, they were just new to nursing, They, you know, so their need of support and success strategies was even more essential than ever in this virtual world. Let's flip this on its ear a little bit. What, you know, you, 
you're trying to come up with new things to help teach them. What did they teach you about this whole <laughs> setup that, you know, they had, I'm sure they had all sorts of ideas that you were able to take and run with that came from the students rather than the other direction. Let me just tell you, because I am a little bit on the older side <laughs> and my IT sometimes is limited. They were the ones that helped me troubleshoot. Oh, Dr. Snow, go to this icon over here and move over there. They'll take care of your microphone and they'll take care of this. So those polishing that I needed, because sometimes I didn't learn these things till the night before or in the early morning hours. And then it was application on my part. So for the tech savvy students that were in the, in the classroom, they were great. They were great. And then they helped other students. So um, I think that was that feeling of collaboration, which jailed us together uh, on a virtual uh, environment, helped solidify the class and the students to each other. And that was, and to, and to me, and to me. Give them a little bit of a feeling of, of, I don't know, I guess you trust them to help you and give them that sort of positive affirmation that, that they should feel. Yes, that they have value. That it's not just me giving them stuff. They give me um, a sense of, well, that, there's no sense to it. They give me purpose as an educator. They give me um, technical support, you know, that's right there in front of me virtually. And so their importance for skill sets that they already have, you know, was just, it's just awesome. And then I'm providing them skill sets for their desired career choice and educational uh, process. So the collaborative element really comes into play. I think that's a good time for us to take a quick break. We're going to go to the break room and have a snack, hear from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute. Today's sponsor is RN Connect to Wellbeing, a free statewide initiative from MCNA in partnership with the American Nurses Foundation and the Arizona Foundation for the Future of Nursing. To easily integrate well-being into your day, text RN Connect NC to 60298 to receive twice weekly tips on how to de-stress, strengthen your mind and body, and take care of yourself. The text messages are aimed at connecting you to resources like counseling, easy self-care activities, and opportunities to connect with other nurses facing the same challenges as you. That's RN Connect NC to 60298. All right, we are back with Dr. Elizabeth Snow talking about the challenges and opportunities of trying to teach nursing in the middle of a pandemic. Dr. Snow, can you talk a little bit about the fatigue that sort of could set in with students who are having to get on Zoom or Teams or whatever all day, every day. And as an instructor, you're probably sitting in front of a computer for two, three, four hours at a time, right? Oh, Chris, sometimes it's three, four, five hours because from the instructors, I'll start with the instructor side. Then there is, you know, how are we creating our, our, virtual classroom, our, our curriculum for the day, our uh, learning concepts. And then we have staff meetings. 
And then we also do advising, which is part of the role of an educator in higher education. And so we'll use Zoom or Teams, you know, whatever's available to the faculty member and to the student. And so there's been time, and then cell phone, the times we're talking on the phone to each other and not having that personal con uh, contact that, that which as human beings, we all have a need for. Then the students sitting in and they've got to do, especially early in the pandemic, they had the virtual classroom, then they had the virtual simulation, then they had all these videos to watch on how to complete skill sets. And that could be a few hours there. So yes, they were, you know, I remember hearing one person say the mind only absorbs what the buttocks can absorb. And if you're sitting there and, and, and this is what you're doing, you know, then um, yes, the fatigue and you could see it as the semester progressed, as the pandemic progressed, and you would see it um, maybe in people. And this is feedback I got from several faculty throughout the state. You'd see how they uh, were dressed. You'd see the affect on their face and you're trying to engage them. And so we learned that we had to basically remind them, okay, set up a workspace at home if you haven't done that already. Because, you know, we were all kind of thrown into this situation. I was using my dining room table for months. And I said, I don't have a place to eat that's not work-related. I'm sure they had the same problem too. So that was really challenging with especially the stay-at-home, uh, stay-in-place orders and the limited physical contact with other people. And for those who had families and significant others at home, children, then how do you make it clear you need this time quietly? But then you've got kids who are also trying to virtually learn if you're, you know, a parent. And then you may have another spouse who is also working from home. And and then is your hotspot working? And and so not only the fatigue, but the the internet failures that happened frequently, it seemed like. So we did have to make sure that they understood, come dress, come, you know, look good. Uh, stay engaged. And for uh, an educator to just throw in a few jokes here and there to ask, anybody got any birthdays today or, you know, this week? And just some things like that that puts a little personal information in there that we can all be cohesive about. I think those are some of the strategies that any work group and students is a type of work group um, to implement those things help keep people together. So you and I both have dogs in the background of the rooms we're sitting in who are being <laughs> very good dogs so far, but I'm sure your dogs and I know my dog has not always been quite as good. What's your best interruption story from the past year with your students, whether it be kids or dogs or cats or whatever? Well, I do have one cat. I have a 16-year-old cat. I have a 15-year-old boxer. And I have a five-month-old boxer. And 
they got so, the two dogs got so rambunctious in their play not too long ago, just directly behind me. They were literally, especially the young one, jumping up in the air and coming up between my legs and looking at me and then looking at the camera. And I finally had to throw a book at them. And then I told, told the students, I'm sorry. <laughs> this might be time for a break. <laughs> But, you know, and, 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 and they would just laugh because they had the same thing going on, too. So we just had an understanding that with children, with pets, we're going to be interrupted. And so and that's just but the frequency is pretty low. And with a classroom of 30, we're all thankful that it's low. Well, hopefully for your dog's sake, you don't have good aim. <laughs> No, they just move and laugh at me. <laughs> As this has evolved, um, I'm guessing that you've got a healthy discussion with colleagues, whether they be in your own school or throughout the state or even beyond. What's some of the what's some of the infrastructure, I guess, that you're seeing within the nursing profession for helping collaborate with each other and figure out best practices? for teaching in this new world? Well, to be honest, National League of Nursing, who is specific for educators, they've been awesome. And they've had a, a variety of workshops uh, available to its memberships specific for educators. And then we also see several of our vendors who have provided us a great deal of information just for faculty on how to, well, survival tactics is what it amounts to for us and also how to be more creative with our students, how to use, um, and just how to use Zoom, and how to use Microsoft Teams, and how do we put in a link to a recorded lecture? I mean, you know, because not, you know, sometimes that's important to a student just to be able to revisit. So we talk, we text, we um, Zoom, we just, whatever, we do, you know, no differently than before, except for the Zoom and Teams, but we do call each other, and I do talk with several people throughout the state, um, from Stanley County, Randolph County, um, New Hanover County, Montgomery County, etc., and and we just go, how are you solving this? You know, what do you do? How, how does this look from your side? And that helps us. That helps us to collaborate. Is there anything that you've kind of done to adjust uh, that you think, hmm, we're going to stick with this, even after everything's, you know, if, if everything goes best case scenario and people go back to in learning, in class learning and all that stuff, and everyone's vaccinated and the, vaccine, uh, the vaccines are highly effective and life returns to normal, what, what are you going to take from all this and be like, yeah, we're gonna, we're just gonna stick with that for ever. Well, I believe those conversations are actually going on now throughout the state is like, okay, what's, what's going to be the most efficient and effective way to teach and to help the learning process of the students. And you think about transportation, some students might drive an hour to get to the campus you think about the frequency of having to come on campus. So those conversations actually are going on now. 
Now, those of us who already had hybrid programs, it's like, what, what can we do different? Should we return to the classroom? And, then, and let me tell you, there's benefits to the classroom, to physically engage, to develop those relationships, you know, that nonverbal communication that we're very dependent on and getting the message, providing feedback on performance and things like that. You know, you really can't replace that. But we do need to look at what's some of the most effective ways that we can transmit this information that and teach them application, teach them critical thinking, teach them clinical concepts for good clinical judgments. Because that's what the public needs and expects in nursing practice. Well, I think we're about running out of time. Is there anything that we had not touched on that you would like to discuss or anything you think I should have been asking you? Well, I think from from the science part, looking at Bloom's taxonomy, looking at cognitive domain, affective domain, psychomotor domains, the challenges that this pandemic has created in education, not just in nursing, but all over education, especially in all the allied health sciences, medicine, nursing. Um, I think this is going to be an ongoing topic. And hopefully in my lifetime, there won't be another pandemic like this. But it's, I'm, I'm hoping that People are putting this information in safe places so that in the future, then there are better references to pull from. Hopefully, Hopefully you don't have to put those best practices into place again. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Dr. Elizabeth Snow, for sharing your insights on all of this. It's obviously a hugely important topic, and we appreciate your time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. We'll see you next round. Continue to lead nursing forward until then. 